Hey guys, it's Mark here from the ETF Tracker Show, and this is episode nine of our Interviews with Experts series. And we've got a special one today, as have all the other ones, uh, but this one is special for those that are looking at Bitcoin, whether you're already an investor into Bitcoin by the various exchanges, or you've been tracking along with our newsletter showing what's been going on overseas with Bitcoin ETFs. And in this case, it's a homegrown one because it's all about monochrome asset management. We've got our special guest, uh, Jeff Yu, who's the CEO over there, and he is uh, applying for a Bitcoin ETF here in Australia. So we talk about that, a little bit more about Jeff's interesting history. If you didn't know, he used to be the Binance uh, Australia CEO. So we definitely talk a lot about Bitcoin here, how it can be useful and yeah, more of that and check out the show notes. See you there. Okay, welcome back, guys. We've got an amazing guest here. We've got Jeff Yu from Monochrome Asset Management. Uh, Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Um, lovely to be here. Perfect. So for those of you uh, who might not be aware, Jeff has a very interesting background uh, in the world of asset management as well as Bitcoin. So um, what we'd like to do, Jeff, is before we you know, get started into the heart of the interview, we like to ask our guests a little bit more about their background. So for those who might not know that much about you, could you tell us a little bit more about your background, how you got into Bitcoin, how you got to become um, the CEO of Binance Australia? Oh, that's, uh, yeah, you know, thanks for, thanks for that question. It gives me, um, you know, the moment to reflect on you know, what's been going for the past few years. So, you know, I first heard of Bitcoin um, uh, on a Reddit thread, actually, in 2013, that was during my research into the aftermath of the secret financial crisis. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I was always intrigued with, you know, how, um, you know, fiscal policies, monetary policies around the world can affect not just economies, but also the broader social aspects of it um my training and my background was um in architecture you know you know surprisingly wow. um, but i've always been intrigued with the with the economics aspect of architecture um most specifically um you know i've always been intrigued about why buildings look in a particular way at a particular era and uh, throughout my research and my interest you know it kind of led me to come to the conclusion that architecture is pretty much a time capsule of um, you know the society, society sort of behaviors and social economic uh, situations of a particular era of a particular mm-hmm. time. So it went, went it led me into the finance rabbit hole. Since um, I've always been interested in interested in you know macro micro finance. Um, you know not not just in Australia but globally. Mm-hmm. Um, Bitcoin was just a a blip in the radar back then. I didn't really take it that seriously because like anyone that's first got introduced to Bitcoin. Uh, you have obviously a lot of questions like, you know, how is this thing going to work? Is government going to control it, shut it down and all this stuff? Um, I was a skeptic back then, but, you know, throughout my years of research, I built up this thesis about, you know, where this sits within um, from a, from a, just a pure portfolio allocation perspective um, for my thesis in about two years. And it took me a while because back then there wasn't many, uh, you know, good podcasts, you know, like, like what we are doing here today um, to help me navigate the space um and then you know i, I kind of wanted to start my own my own team about building things around bitcoin so um i actually started a um, i almost i was almost about to start a e-commerce payment payments platform that runs payments on top 
um, of you know Bitcoin wow. and um, Caleb 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 Yo, which is uh, you know one of my very good friends still today. Like back then, he was running a startup called Travel by Bit. Um, it was a Queensland government funded startup that was you know trying to boost tourism in regional Queensland by introducing you know various methods of um, you know unique ways, including you know crypto payments. So mm-hmm. I was um, called there um, you know from my startup to be the chief product officer. And sort of like a co-founder role um, to help build out that you know capabilities within the business. So we did manage to you know build out that payment payment um, payment processor that built mm-hmm. this you know is developed on top of Bitcoin. Uh, we did it. Uh, we launched it in Brisbane Airport. So Brisbane Airport is actually yeah. the world's first airport uh, that accepts payments <laughs> in digital currencies. Did not so know that's that. something that most people did not know that. Yeah, you know, there was a whole hoo-ha before even the Alsa little stuff um, and. And back then, um, it, uh, Travel by Bit has a um, has an OTC arm called Invest by Bit. It wasn't a main business case because um, um, you know no one was really looking into that that space that deeply um, back then from an investment perspective yet. Um, but I took interest of that because I've mm. always been interested in investments in finance. So I so I basically told Caleb like, look, why not I take out that arm of the business and see what grows from it. Yeah. Um, and soon after. You know, Binance came on board as a strategic investor, uh, invested, um, you know, uh, into the company and then sort of led us to, you know, give us some freedom to build and test, you know, the market. Uh, we eventually launched um, Invest by Bit as a OTC brokerage um, registered with Austrac as a DC operator, digital currency exchange operator. Um, and then that rolled over into Binance Lite, which is, was which was a um, exchange-less brokerage where you can go to a news agent to purchase, you know, digital currencies. <laughs> wow. And, you know, soon after, you know, based on all the experience of the feedback we got from, from our customers, uh, we launched um, the next, you know, ob- the obvious version of it, which is the full exchange. Mm. So Binance Australia, um, you know, was the progression from Binance Lite become from a broker to an exchange. And it has been um, the biggest and most liquid digital asset exchange in Australia since yeah. Um, and I'm very proud of what team has achieved over there and it still is today, um, even though I've left Binance Australia in April this year to start, yeah. uh, you know, my asset management business called Monochrome. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. They've got, uh, you know, some, ama- you've got amazing pedigree, first of all, and Binance is really um, a, a great kind of resource for people who may not know or wanted easy access to uh, the ability to, to get into Bitcoin and other coins. I mean, full disclosure, I use Binance right? For some of my investments into that space. But, uh, you know, you just mentioned monochrome there. So for people that may not be aware, um, like I saw that you'd moved on to, and that's what actually sparked my interest as well and seeing you in the news talking about this. But can you tell us a little bit more about monochrome asset management? And we'll include, you know, this stuff in the show notes, but who are your clients and what kind of services do do you provide over there? Yeah, thanks for the question. So Monochrome Asset Management, we are a uh, traditional funds management company. Uh, we operate under an AFSL to provide um, wholesale access into you know, uh, investment products, such as digital assets like Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, so we deal with uh, you know, uh, professional investors, family offices, high net worth individual. Uh, most of the fiduciary markets that we target um, you know, are pretty much the clients of monochromes. So um, our team has over... 100 years of combined experience in you know, yeah. traditional financial markets, funds management, funds management, and also digital asset investments. And um, you know, we have soon sort of positioned ourselves as Australia's leading investment management firm that's specializing 
in regulated access into this digital asset market. No, that's, that's amazing. And I saw one of the first things I, that came up as, um, you know, Hey, I need to look into these guys was back in July, I think it was, or around that time, there was news talking about how you guys were looking at a Bitcoin launching a Bitcoin ETF or your intentions to launch that. And I know that, you know, ASIC has put out the consultation paper, but just in terms of the Bitcoin ETF, can you tell our viewers a little bit more about that? What, what are you thinking there? Yeah. Yeah, obviously, sort of. We I come from the from the background of uh, digital assets, and my team comes from the background of uh, traditional finance. So, um, you know, the the immediate problem that we've identified very early on with this industry, uh, compared to a lot of major markets out there, we'll talk about it later, mm. is that um, Australia seems to, you know, be really you know going really hard and really strong on the retail front of in terms of adoption. Mm. but it's crickets in the uh, institutional and wholesale space. Yeah. And the prim primary reason behind that, other than, you know, service providers, um, and there wasn't any much, you know, uh, you know, uh, big movement in terms of service providers like insurance, custodians, um, investment managers, uh, for that matter, uh, that wants to sort of enter this market because Australia is always deemed like a smaller market compared to, say, the US or the UK and Europe. Yeah. Um, and, 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 the, and, the, and the other problem is that obviously, uh, institutions wouldn't touch changes with a nine foot pole um, because of, you know, strict mandates, because of accumulation procedures that mandates them to, you know, go through a particular, um, you know, compliance uh, mandated route or a regulated route. And exchanges um, are in Australia. I want to make this clear to people that, you know, I, I run an exchange. So, so um, it's, it's ironic to hear this from me is that exchanges are good, a good avenue for retail traders to trade, um, you know, through, digital currencies, digital currencies, and, you know, fiat currencies like the Australian dollars. And they are regulated by Austrac, which uh, monitors, you know, transactions um, to, to prevent fraud, or prevent, um, you know, terrorist financing and those kind of things. But what they are not for is, you know, say if you are a um, super fund or you are a family offices that have a strict, very strict mandate on accumulating digital assets or new assets or any assets in particular, um, the chain, crypto exchanges in Australia don't have the licensing, um, you know, capability licenses to, to provide those service, you know, frankly. And also, you know, uh, most, most importantly, the custody requirements uh, for, you know, super funds and for large installs that um, it just doesn't suffice uh, when, it, when, it, when looking at, you know, crypto exchanges generally in Australia. Um, that's why what you hear from the market, it's always, um, you know, you can buy Bitcoin from us, but they will never tell you where to store it because they can't offer that advice and they, they can't offer that service. Um, and that's, that, that's something that bothers me for a while because um, yeah. um, I've been feeling a strong industry push for a product properly catered for in installs in Australia mm -hmm. um, and with my role as CEO of Finance Australia back then. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, that's the reason why I found that monochrome asset management, asset management was that, you know, there is a big gap you know, of um, install access and regulated products into these markets. And an ETF is an obvious progression of that because yeah. it shifts the operational, um, you know, the operational risk and custodial risk and, you know, basically just licensing and regulation, regulatory risk, you know, from unregulated platforms into experience and regulated, you know, issuers, managers, and those sort of things. And I think for interest, in the interest of consumer protection, mm -hmm. uh, we really need to step mm -hmm. forward you know, I think the time is right. The digital asset in industry has grown from a, you know, maybe a few hundred million um, in all assets under 
custody in you know in a few brokerages and exchanges in Australia in say 2016 2017 until today I estimate that it's at least 10 billion of assets wow. held on unregulated digital currency platforms so that is a big risk for me um, uh, personally when I when I look at how this thing will play out for the next you know three years for the next five years how do we solve this problem um, exchanges aren't the particular ones at fault here because there is no licensing regime for them to register if they even even if they want to so um my my goal here is to make sure that Australia stays on top of the game because yeah. you see big markets like canada has an etf us has a slew of pending etfs we've got etfs in europe etfs in in um in you know coming up in in even in dubai even in brazil yeah, uh, wow. those countries we're seeing seeing this thing is coming more seriously and there's a lot more institutional appetite and backing into digital assets like bitcoin in 2021 and above it's really interesting because, you know, a couple of things there, like we have been tracking what's been going on, um, you know, in our newsletter and our podcast, uh, the, the end of the week exchange traded Fridays and seeing a lot of listings coming out from the US. And when I scour the internet for ETF articles for global, there's always one or two or there's progress on Bitcoin. It was like a Bitcoin ETF straight up. And then it's now looking at futures and because the SEC is more favorable towards the futures and the thing that's interesting is like what you're doing here in australia australia um yes the retail traders can do it but wholesale if our superannuation firms can get into being able to buy a regulated and a wholesale kind of product that's going to be very interesting because a lot a lot of people may not might not know this but australia has the fourth biggest pool of pension fund money in the world behind US, Canada, and I think it might be Japan or something like that. But, you know, we've got a lot of money here to put to play, a, a, you know, to assets like this. So it's great what it is that you're doing. And you just mentioned, you know, the applications there in the US. And over here in Australia, we, we mentioned a little bit before, but ASIC, right? They've got that consultation paper that's out. That's the body that regulates this. And if we get approval from them, and I think there's probably a few more steps and stuff there. There's the exchanges as well. But um, what it would take to get to there, like when they put that paper out, you've had some thoughts on that. I'd be interested in, you know, seeing, uh, we can refer to some of the notes that you've had, whether it's on LinkedIn or the monochrome page, but what are your thoughts on that right now um, regarding that uh, move by ASIC to put out a consultation paper? Is it positive for the hopes of a local Bitcoin ETF? I think it's definitely a proactive move, a very proactive move from ASIC um, in showing that progression of understanding of the asset class from say 2017, where we usually would get a straight no. Um, you know, even in even if you say a year before, you know, something like this wouldn't have happened. But obviously, you know, a combination of uh, you know domestic and international um, push and demand has you know created this environment where you know probably regulators would think that this is the right time to start thinking seriously about this as the and as everyone is progressing pretty much very quickly around the around the world in different regulatory environment jurisdictions and you know we, we have been a very strong advocate about you know a regulation more regulation into this space you know we are all about elevating the standards of service and robustness of um, Australian digital asset um, sectors and operators within the sectors and what ASIC is proposing you know in CP343 um, is you know I feel personally it's a net good for operators uh, because it brings in more robustness and consumer protection in the long run. Uh, mm -hmm. Monochrome has you know submitted a response a public response back to ASIC regarding CB343 as well. And there's something that, you know, our head of legal compliance, um, Derek, which comes from IFM investors, um, you know, has been on top of that for a while. 
um, and he's also leading the charge for you know the ETF um, project as well here in Monochrome. Perfect. Well, yeah, we definitely want to link to when. So that um, does that go out in public when um, ASIC uh, puts out his all the responses, and do, do you know when that's going to be? I think we'll see something soon um, in the coming months. Um, okay. You know, keep in keep in mind that's also Senator Bragg's um, Senate Select uh, hearing, uh, Senate Select Committee hearing about you know Australia as a uh, technology technology platform, um, and that's something that. I've heard is coming out next month in October. So okay. we'll keep an eye on that as well as Essex, um, you know, conclusion on the CP343. Uh, we're definitely keeping a really close eye on that because it's really important yeah. to, to be on top of this is because we are in a very pivotal moment in Australia uh, when it comes to, you know, bringing that shift from retail into instos when it comes to digital assets. Perfect. And I, uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on it here, uh, as well. Now, just as we had mentioned, uh, and, and you'd said, said these, so overseas, there's been a lot of movement in Bitcoin. Canada's had the first Bitcoin ETF. The SEC has got a decision pending, um, on that, but they've indicated, you know, a bit of positivity towards Bitcoin futures. Do you see us going down either a US or a Canadian type path or is, uh, do you see things in Europe, for example, that are, are more in line with what we're going to do? What, what's your kind of thoughts? We're not going to hold you to it. You know, this is not a crystal ball thing, but just based on what you've seen now going on overseas, what's the pathway you think for us? Yeah, so the team, the team at Monochrome is pretty familiar with the Canadian model just because that we have an advisor that has um, launched a Canadian Bitcoin ETF before. Um, and obviously Canada um, and Australia has you know, pretty similar, uh, but yet still different uh, in terms of reg regulatory and um, you know, frameworks when it comes to handling products like this. Mm. Uh, Canada treats Bitcoin, uh, the OIC um, you know, came down and treats Bitcoin, I think, um, don't hold me to it, but I think it's a yeah. commodity uh, from, from memory. Uh, in Australia, it really comes down to you know, what does ASIC think Bitcoin falls into. Um, Monochrome believes that Bitcoin um, fits the, you know, fits the type into the financial asset uh, class instead of a pure commodity because it allows, um, you know, Bitcoin. Bitcoin is effectively, you know, very similar to commodity. That's why you see that split between financial assets and commodity from different countries in, in, the, in the world. And I think that, you know, it's very important to get a classification correct because that's a predecessor of getting an ETF up and running yeah. um, and also getting REs involved, getting insurers, getting, you know, financial advisors, um, platforms, um, with pretty much any fiduci uh, you know, uh, fiduciaries that have um, a requirement to, you know, get an AFSL authorization to deal with digital assets. I think that that's for that first step needs to happen. And we're pretty much on top of that uh, with, with, uh, we, we have, with our liaison, with our team, Monochrome's team with ASIC and, um, you know, regulators and treasuries on that. So we'll see what comes up the next few months. Oh, that'd be really good. And, you know, I was going to ask um, next, but I think we've kind of answered it through some of the the, the, the previous kind of um, talk, uh, sorry, previous things that we've spoken about. Like it was going to be about, you know, when Bitcoin ETFs do list here and you guys are on board with that. Um, do you see that being bought by institutions like super funds, managed funds, insurers and all that? So we've kind of spoken a bit about that, but let's expand on that a bit more. I mean, when it does happen, do you think that there's already firms and you don't have to, there's no naming of names here, um, but do you see firms already knocking at the door for that kind of, um, you know, uh, investable uh, asset? 
Yeah, that's a fairly good question. And I think it's uh, monochrome is pretty, pretty on top of that, uh, to be honest, because uh, we got a head of distribution, Craig, so Craig used to um, lead as a senior executive team on REST Super. So, oh, wow. um, you know, obviously one of the show is, um, you know, biggest industry supers. So that's uh, something that he deals with pretty much in terms of what um, the appetite is from, from that world into mm-hmm. digital assets like Bitcoin. Um, and also we have, you know, Monochrome um, has a wholesale MIS product at this, at, at this, at this stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's offered under an IM, which is, uh, you know, it's the highest duty of care available for uh, investors in Australia at this stage. Um, and so we have launched a product into the advice industry and we've gotten really good feedback from the professional uh, professionals working in the financial service industries in Australia. And we definitely see a wall of appetite. Um, for example, we recently mm-hmm. ran a survey on financial standard about um, the question was how uh, financial advice, how many financial advisors have clients reaching out to them about digital assets over the past 12 months? The response was that over 75% of them had inquiries. Wow. So the problem with this industry is that financial advisors are getting uh, the pressure from their clients are getting the bottom-up pressure to you know, signal to them that you need to be ready to give me advice on this new mm-hmm. asset class because you know, it's been so many years, it's been so many ETFs around the world already. That's like, you know, um, it, you know, how can I deal with this, you know, make sense of it in my portfolio or, or, or pretty much anything. The problem is for financial advisors is that they, the PI cover usually don't cover advice on Bitcoin. And also, obviously, there isn't much products mm-hmm. out there that it will fall into um, their APLs, the proof of So this is a big problem uh, for financial advisors to put in a Bitcoin product, um, you know, say go to an exchange or this kind of stuff um, into a statement of advice. It's pretty much impossible at this stage, um, but a Bitcoin ETF could potentially change that because yeah. um, if you, if you, if you are a, if you have a Bitcoin ETF, it's pretty much just um, an open season for investors and, and financial professionals to incorporate those um, you know, products into very traditional structures. Um, and that's really where I think the potential is. And the interesting, is, interesting thing with Bitcoin and ETF is that, right, look, the ETF market in Australia, it's like a little bit over $100, $100 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, we got a very big managed manage, um, manage fund um, you know, market here in Australia, but let's yeah, say yeah. You know, 100, 100 to 150 billion. In the US alone, there is one fund manager, uh, digital asset fund manager has 60 billion in asset under management. Wow. So this shows you how much appetite there is when it comes to a Bitcoin product. Um, and also uh, keep in mind that in Canada, the first ETF, Perverse mm-hmm. ETF, like, went live in, uh, in this early this year. Um, the FUM grew from nothing to a billion US dollars in just seven weeks of trading. <laughs> wow. That's impressive, right? It doesn't really yeah. happen in the ETF space. Uh, it's very rare that um, an ETF is launching and there's already an established demand. But usually ETFs gets launched and then you've got a distribution phase and you get that thing you know, rolling and, and growing. I think there's going to be a big opportunity with, with um, you know, launching a Bitcoin ETF in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. But it also comes with its own set of challenges, you know, mainly you know, getting, getting um, you know, all the ducks lined up and also, you know, depends on regulatory approval. Uh, Monochrome is here to, you know, work with the best. You mm-hmm. know, for example, we have, um, we just yesterday, uh, recently we just announced um, our appointment of our new chief operating officer and head of digital markets, uh, Jeff Wills. Mm-hmm. So Jeff comes from um, BNY Mellon. 
um, and you know he will be into integral to the company uh, to get this thing up and running um, as uh, potentially Australia's one of, or one of the first Australian Bitcoin ETFs here alongside um, you know the other senior management in these companies like Derek, which I mentioned previously, which was from IFM Investors. Mm-hmm. So we do have a good team. We do have a good strategy. Uh, we don't want to disclose too much on that, but uh, yeah. keep it close on us, I would say. Well, that's that's really good. And look, we'll link um, those things in the show notes. And you know, it's really interesting. You, one of the things you mentioned before was that uh, for for the wholesale. So retail, we can go out and buy Bitcoin from various exchanges from my phone. I can buy stuff overseas or whatever it is, right? But it's a little bit hard for wholesale. There's so, so many more rules. And it's kind of ironic because there's the informational disadvantage that retail traders have. Um, wholesale has, uh, you know, institutions have much more at their fingertips with Bloomberg terminals and access to cool data sets. Yet because of compliance and all the rules that are there to protect end investors, it actually is a little bit harder for them to be free flowing with just buying into anything that they see as an opportunity. So it's, it's interesting to see that kind of uh, dichotomy play out there, but look, you guys have great and really interesting insights into this. And no doubt if people are just hearing about you for the first time, I'm encouraging you guys out there to follow along, whether it's on LinkedIn or on monochrome's page, you guys have a blog on your page. Is that right? Yeah, we do have our blog, uh, just monochrome.co, and you can navigate through that website mm-hmm. pretty easily. It's a very simple website to navigate. And um, depending on when the show is going live, we are 24th of September today. Mm-hmm. But I reckon um, when you release this uh, this podcast, we would have launched uh, Monochrome re- Research already. So it's a um, research hey. capably within our team. Uh, there's currently um, seven people on the research team that is committed to you know come up with um, you know, CPD credit, the content for financial advisors, for uh, financial professionals um, in Australia to help okay. navigate internally or with the clients when it comes to topics around digital assets. You know, things about like, uh, we, we, we've gone past the one-on-ones about, you know, Bob and Alice one-on-ones. We're yeah. here to sort of, you know, guide that process, very quantitative process about how do you fit Bitcoin into a portfolio? How do you put that, you know, how do you manage your risk? You know, how do you quantify, you know, things that are in this space that has so much questions around them to demystify and demyth a lot of things within this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really exciting to me. Um, we got our, we got our new head of research um, on board. Um, he's working closely under our CIO, um, Dave, who used to be a hedge fund manager. Yeah. Um, and that's really what we want to, we want to sort of put up in the market is that uh, monochrome research will be, the number one go-to, um, you know, domain expert when it comes to institutional digital assets, you know, education content, and and you, you know back you know backtrack a little bit. You mentioned about how easy yeah. it is for retail customers to purchase, um, you know, digital assets. Um, to me, I feel that you know it is a good and bad thing. Uh, good thing mm. is that obviously um, the barriers of entry is low. The bad thing is that the barrier of entry is low. Uh, because it also uh, opens up a lot of avenues for um, retail investors to get exploited from, you know, unlicensed operators or, um, you know, a lot of influencers uh, these days, you know, um, ASIC just, you know, put out a announcement um, warning people about the uh, pump and dump uh, commentaries on online. And that's a real big problem because, you know, we, we, this is a young industry, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Bitcoin is a nascent, nascent asset class, but compared to a lot of other crypto assets in this industry, Bitcoin is still relatively relatively fine when it comes to a risk management perspective, if you know how to deal with it. 
but as a retail retail investor, if you expose to so many thousands of different you know cryptocurrencies out there, and they're all different types of crypto, I want to make it clear that you know there's thousands and thousands of you know crypto tokens, and not all of them are in the same basket. And if people don't know what they are dealing with, you know, they might go walk into a grocery shop and pick up a bottle of milk thinking that it's oranges. And when they go back, open it up, oh, this is not what I expect, you oops. know, you know, uh, oops. And that's something that I'm, I'm a big advocate of. You know, this is, this is something that I've been pushing for many years is clearer, cl- clearer classification of the different product tranches within the digital asset ecosystem. Mm. I'll give you an example, like, Bitcoin, you know, it's like digital properties, digital commodities. It's like the most boring of all. It's like the base layer of things. It's like it's like the bare CBD land in the middle of like Sydney or you know in, in here Brisbane city, um, and it has nothing to do with it. And people can say that you know it's bare piece of land. It doesn't generally gen- generate any yield. Like how can I profit from that? How can I trade it? The point is that you don't trade prime CBD land, right? There are things that you can build on top of it. You can put up a you know say a signpost and collect at revenue or you can rent it out, or you can build buildings on it and collect rent from tenants. So we st- start to see that kind of like, you know, engagement within, you know, the new world and the old world, trying to make sense of this thing. And like, people are confused about where Bitcoin is in terms of the, 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 the product layers and where Ethereum, you know, all this other stuff there is on top of it, like DeFi NFTs. And I want to say that they all have their, or they all have their place to play, mm-hmm. um, but they're different. Some of them are land, some of them are buildings, some of them are tenants, some of them are, you know, you know tradies that, 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 uh, that built the buildings. So you want to make sure that people know exactly what they're dealing with. And um, mm-hmm. I'm personally a very big advocate of clearer, clearer labeling in this space. Um, and that sort of aligns with monochrome stance on getting more regulation, more, op- more experienced operators, more responsible spokesperson into this space because there's so many information asymmetry in this space and we need to I mean we need to really do a good job to clean it up. I, I love it because you know that's what I'm trying to do with the the whole ETF tracker thing. Like I come from industry and I was doing this like I said personally, but it's turned into a bit of a cause where I'm trying to help people lift the hood under ETFs and really see what's going on because you hear a lot of stuff in the news, but you need to have these tools and a lot of people just haven't had these tools available. They're still growing. And I'm keen to see how you guys go. We'll definitely be um, keeping a watchful eye. So we'll put all this kind of stuff in the show notes for where people can follow along and see the journey and hopefully get involved. But Jeff, thank you very much. It's been super insightful. I learned a lot here as I always do with these kind of interviews Um, and I'll get people to follow along with your, with your journey. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate that. It's good chat. Okay, cheers. Well, that was an amazing uh, set of insights there from Jeff. And we certainly learned a lot more about Bitcoin and his background, as well as the how the space has evolved over time. So it's certainly an exciting time if you're interested in, in it from an ETF perspective. We should see more news about that and no doubt we'll track along, put that in the newsletters and share more of this kind of stuff. So you should take a look at the show notes as well uh, on Spotify. If you're on the website, it'll also be there, but on YouTube as well. So we'll have a couple of links to the monochrome blog and various other sources of information there. There's certainly a lot to learn. We love keeping on learning and we love keeping you guys informed as to what we find out. So please do like, share and subscribe, and we hope you have a great week.